You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome into the latest episode of the Five Reasons Podcast. I'm Ethan Skolnick here as always with Chris Whittingham. Now that you found us, make sure that you hit the subscribe or follow button on your favorite podcast provider. That's the best way to get all of our old episodes as well as all of our new episodes. As soon as they post, we just put up an episode with Alex Dono this week from WQAM, got into the Dolphins, Canes, and the fight game, which is an area of expertise for him, also, Chris and I have weighed in on the Dolphins coaching search, so check that out. And we have a new podcast on our feed. It's called Minding Our Business. It's with a guy that our next guest knows very well. Jason Jackson is the host of that podcast with Wendy Dees, who's uh, one of uh, the former professors of our Chris Whittingham over at the University of Miami. It's on business and sponsorships in sports. It's a really good episode. It got great reviews. Obviously, it's Jax is involved with it, so uh, you know how that's going to sound. So make sure that you check that out. Also check out the other 14 podcasts in our network. A new episode of the Chamber Pod is out this week. So if you've been trying to figure out how to get into better shape, uh, they have an interview with uh, with the people from Raw Juice. Uh, I, I, maybe I should start doing some juicing. Not not the uh, well, not not in the gym, but just drinking the juice. So so we're gonna so uh, so definitely listen to that one. Also check out Three Yards Per Carry this week. They're breaking down everything with the coaching search and Miami Heat beat. They've got a Dwayne Wade for All Star campaign that's going on. All right, we're gonna get to a Heat episode here. We have not done one in a little while, actually since Whittingham uh, went on vacation to England. Um, and actually there's been less that's been going on with the heat than with the dolphins and the hurricanes. I feel like we're kind of back in the same place we've been for a while, which is this team is going to end up 41 and 41, no matter what they do, but we're still going to talk about it all the way through. And today we have the pregame and halftime hosts on the heat radio network. Tommy Tig with us. I, I am the only person on this podcast today that is not, the official pregame and halftime host <laughs> on the radio of one of the two big teams in town because Chris Whittingham handles the Dolphins. I'm going to just let these two guys fight it out. Also, Tommy is, is known for something else, which we're going to get to at the end of the podcast. But, Tommy, thank you for joining us today. Appreciate it. Ethan, do you write all this stuff down that you just read? Because it took about three and a half minutes to get to that part. Uh, I, I, I don't, actually. It's funny. Or you just know, off the top of your head. It's off the top of my head. It's funny yeah. you mentioned that. Oh, though, that's because, impressive. Well, that's very well, impressive. Well, it, it's funny because I, I was listening back to our, our pod with Dono today, and I realized that Whittingham's intro was about 17 seconds, which made me think he just wanted to get the pod over with. I, I you know, I, I, I did. I did. <laughs> we got to get straight to the content, baby. We got to get moving and flowing. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Straight to the content. Exactly. All right. So I'll, I'll let the two of you guys take it over. But no, it is. It is Tommy off the top of my head. I know a lot of your stuff is off the top of your head too, right? I mean, you script out the Heat Weekly show on Saturday. Uh, you used to, used to tell me exactly what time I was going to be on, uh, so I feel like a lot of that is planned. Uh, yeah, without a doubt, the Heat Weekly show is planned because uh, you go through the entire week and try to get as many as seven people on, including players, and you have to try to figure out everybody's schedule. And you're looking at the nuances of not only uh, your brethren, the writers, but then you're looking at broadcasters and you're trying to figure out what players are doing. So you, if you don't do it that way, you just try to wing it. I have a feeling that you'd end up with one or two guests a week. So in trying to put something together like that with five, six, seven people, as difficult as that may be, if you structure it that way, that's why I script it out as much as I possibly can. I don't really script out the questions, to be honest with you, unless somebody like Chris Thomason who, wake the, who would wake up at 3 o'clock in the <laughs> afternoon and miss the segment anyway would say to me, hey, could you send me a list of your questions? I said, a list of my questions? Well, then I started putting down bullet points and notes and things that you want to bring up to either one of the two of you when you were on or any of the other guests. So you don't really duplicate the entire time. I hear what people tell me in radio. Hey, you know, everybody's not listening for the entire two hours. All right, fine. But I still don't want to go at 15 after 10 and come back with the exact same thing at 1130. I think anybody who's stuck on the highway listening to something like that doesn't want to hear the same garbage over and over again. So you try to keep it fresh and hence why it's structured the way that it is. 
Yeah, well, I, I I remember. I mean, you were always prepared, but it's funny. You, you always used to give me that first slot of the season uh, as, as, the t- <laughs> as the team was coming back. I remember it was always 10, 15. For eight I, years, yes. For, for about eight years, I would get a text like uh, four days before, and it's like, it's that time again. And I'd be like, okay, I know. We, we're <laughs> we're, we're going to get we're gonna get started on this year uh, right from the very beginning. And I always felt like unprepared because it was like I would be making my assessment what I felt about the team in those four days uh, before we started, but always appreciated doing it. Um, obviously, uh, you know, it, it's, it's been a staple on the radio here uh, for a long, long time. And yeah, seven guests is a lot of guests, man. Like it, it's Ooh. hard enough. It's hard enough for Chris and I to come up with two every week. And, and, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and that's why we have to resort to some of the guys in our network. But today we're going to talk about where the heat stand. And, you know, okay. this, this comes after a loss at home against Denver, uh, in which the Heat were very competitive against a very, very good team. Uh, they've got another good team coming in here as we tape this tomorrow night in the Celtics. Uh, the schedule has not been particularly soft lately, and when it's been soft, the Heat have tripped up against teams like like Atlanta. Before we get into some of the, I think, rotation decisions, which is something that is is the big thing on Twitter today, since this team has 18 playable players, uh, what, what, did you, what did you make of the game last night against Denver and, and overall the Heat's effort? Well, I'd be encouraged, to be honest with you, after I watched what I saw in the second half. The bench plays exceptionally well, no matter when they get slotted into the lineup. And with Deion Waiters doing what he did, that's the first time I've seen something in a while where you saw some consistent offense. Even though you were matching the Nuggets basket for basket, you had somebody who could actually take it to the hole every time, find other players to get them in their comfort zone and make everybody else look good. Now, granted, you lose the game by what happened down the stretch, but that's what's going to happen against a very good team regardless where you're playing them. So I walk out of the Atlanta game and think, what the heck is going on here after you watch a an abortion like that. And then you come back and watch this and you think, you know what? You always play well against these good teams. So I expect the exact same thing Thursday night when you're playing against Boston, but I like the way things were structured in that game. And as you wonder about what they're going to do, as far as the rotation is concerned, if they left it the exact same way, I kind of like what I saw in a lot of different instances in the game throughout from the start of the game right up until the end of the game, except for the fact that uh, Jokic made the shot when he did. Yeah, for, for me, the thing that, that I, I really sort of enjoyed about watching the game was what you mentioned, Tommy, which was the performance of Deion Waiters. And I wouldn't have thought that, you know, coming off of that injury that he would look that good this quickly because it, there's obviously questions about his shape. There's questions about, you know, really his engagement with the team. But I think a lot of people during that Atlanta loss were calling for Deion Waiters, which is shocking to me, uh, given the, the, the narrative arc he's taken. But the performance that he put in is exactly why the Heat gave him that contract. Now, the year in between the last time we saw a performance like that is the reason why everyone, you know, was so against it and and as sort of talked about it as being an albatross for this team. But I think you saw the idea of what what the Heat had in mind with him and the creativity that he brought, particularly I would say in the second quarter. I think the Heat have really struggled in at the beginning of games, at least in their last couple and first quarters. And then in the second quarter, what Dion Waiters provided off the bench it's really the the dynamic and the dimension that the Heat don't have. Now, you do not rely on Deion Waiters to bring that on a consistent basis, but just that he could bring it on a night in which, you know, you're coming off of your worst offensive performance of the year, scoring only 82 in Atlanta, and after a bad first quarter as well, I was encouraged by what he brought, but Denver's a really good team. Like, I don't think the Denver loss is the one that you're really harping too much on, because Denver is a top team in the Western Conference, kind of against all odds, but it's really losses like the one in Atlanta that have you know you worried about the inconsistency of this team and I I don't think you're particularly panicking about losing to Denver at home no I don't think you are Chris to be honest with you when you look at uh, Atlanta you've lost to them three times so it's not just one game that you look at and then you look at two losses to Orlando and Sacramento is now on the cusp of being in the playoffs or being out of the playoffs and you lost to them in your own building so there are certain losses you look at and think gee, I wonder what direction these guys are going in. And you keep thinking in the back of your mind, the last couple of years you've seen the exact same things. Three and five one time, three and eight the other time, then all of a sudden that year two years ago when you went 11 and 30 to start the season, never expected to go in that direction this time around, but you still see a lot of the same inconsistencies that really plagued that team over the last couple of years. So I wonder where you're going to get different things. And we've been hearing since training camp began, well, we've got 14 guys on the roster and they played together last year and they should be so much better. But when we get everybody back into the lineup, well, that's all well and good. Now you have 13 of them and you still have your all-star caliber guard coming back to the lineup hopefully next month. What exactly are you going to see? Where's the continuity going to be? 
Is Waiters going to be able to do that more often than he did in just that one instance? Who's to say? But I'm looking forward to seeing what exactly you can do if you can get your best offensive players out there because we know this team's capable of playing decent defense. We've seen it throughout the course of the season with the exception of that lull in early November when they were giving up 120 points per night because they couldn't figure out any other team's pace. Now they seem to have figured that out. They're playing much better defensively as a group, going to zone every once in a while to try to confuse teams. I think if they could just get any kind of consistent offense, whether it's Waiters who brings it, whether it's Drogic when he comes back to the lineup, I think you're going to be fine because, as Ethan knows, this team has been a notoriously good second-half team more often than not. And I get the feeling you're going to see the same thing. You're not going to be much over the 500 mark, but you might be five, six games over that. That'll get you to the playoffs, and hopefully you're peaking at this time. You could be a much better team in the playoffs this year than you were in the series a year ago. And if you're that, that means you'll be what Whittingham called before the season, 43 and 39. Uh, and, and look, or 44 and 38, exactly. Yeah, so, something along those lines. I, as long as they're over 42 and a half, uh, Tommy, I have a reason for that. But anyway, <laughs> I can root for that. Okay, <laughs> right. But uh, but look, the thing about last night is the starters played 113 minutes and the bench played 127, and and yet still, even while doing that. Two, you mentioned Dragic not being available, but two other guys who have been a part of this before didn't even get on the court. Derek Jones Jr., mm-hmm. who had been playing extremely well, and Wayne Ellington, who had not been playing extremely well in his 20 games and now has been sort of shelved, and I think they're waiting you know, until the right trade comes along uh, for Wayne and, and give him an opportunity to play for, for a team that has a chance to win something, and, and maybe it's even his hometown team, who knows, in Philadelphia. But, I, but you know, if you're splitting the minutes that way, what I tweeted today was, I feel like I put up a poll like who should be playing more. And I feel like the winner of that poll is going to be whoever doesn't play the night before. So the other night, the other night you guys mentioned it was waiters, right? Like why didn't waiters and Ellington play when you couldn't get any offense going against Atlanta, the Atlanta game to me was not a good measuring stick because of this. The heat had a lot more uncontested shots than the Hawks did. They just didn't make them. Uh, So I, to me that to a certain degree, that was a throwout game, but in that game, it was why didn't waiters and Ellington play last night. It was why didn't Derek Jones Jr. play? And and this is the problem with this roster, and this is why I don't envy Spo. He has his entire roster is made up of players who are between a B and a C plus. The whole roster, I, like the whole damn thing, like twelve or thirteen guys on this team. No offense to you, Donis. He's probably not in that area anymore. But like the rest of them, okay, that's what they are. They they all of them have strengths, and all of them have weaknesses. And so, like, I'm watching last night, and I'm watching Eric put Waiters and Wade out there together, right? And that was something that I was terrified of uh, from a Heat perspective because I just didn't know how that was going to work. Now, it did work last night because they kind of took turns. It was mostly Waiters. But I don't know, you know, he had the two of them out there with Tyler Johnson. Is that something we're going to see going forward where they go that tiny? Um, Then at the end of the game, you know, Winslow has been a core piece at the end of the game, and I feel like he should be because I think mm-hmm. that's important. And yet there was a six or seven minute stretch. He was not on the floor in the fourth quarter last night while, you know, Dwayne played the entire fourth quarter. And then you come back to Winslow with two and a half minutes left. It was kind of too late. I just don't know how Eric manages not forget the egos, which is a, a big part of this, too, which is going to play into this. We've seen this a little from Dion but just manages like the right combinations. Like I, I don't, it's, it's not even a night to night thing or a match. It's like a minute to minute thing where I don't even know who he should put on the floor. And I agree with you, Tommy, they've been a better second half team traditionally, uh, even the 2015, 16 season when Bosch was healthy in the first half, they weren't very good. When mm-hmm. Bosch was out the second half, they put dang at the four, they were better. But mm-hmm. I also feel like Tommy, they've gotten to rotation sooner than this. Like I can't remember a season other than maybe the first post LeBron season where they, they were playing a bunch of guys out of the D league and all the rest that Eric has coached a team that had no form or function at this stage of the year. Like it's just, it's all over the place. And I don't Tommy, I don't know how he fixes it because I, he's got too many guys who are the same. Well, the way he phrases it, Ethan, to be honest with you, and you've heard this a hundred times because we've heard spoisms dating back to even 2007, 2008, right when he started taking over the team. They're good to great. Now, I look at every team that's ever won championships. How many times do you win with good players? Your B to C analogy makes so much sense. you got to have at least that 
alpha dog that can do something, the Durant type of player, the Steph Curry type of player, the LeBron. Why was this team successful in 2005 and six? Well, you had Shaq, but you also had Wade. Why did you win 2010, 11, 12, 14? Well, the obvious reasons. You had those players that you had. You look at this team, and of course you can't compare this team or last year's team and the team before that to anything that I just mentioned. But you look at some of these guys that you have out there, and you're right. They look like interchangeable parts that on any given night, this positionless way that they look at things, you can actually play five of them out there and then try five different ones the next night and then hope it lands in the right direction. That's what we saw in numerous games over the course of time. Sometimes it works whether you're playing against New Orleans and Memphis or some of those teams on that five-game winning streak. But then again, in a game like last night or even in Sunday's game, you're still figuring out, gee, when you lose, let's try to overanalyze this thing. It's almost like looking at football. You look at football after they lose, oh, there's 5,000 reasons why they lost. And then there's like one good reason why they won. Well, that's the problem which you're looking at with this Heat team here. When you lose a game like that, this guy should have played. He should have played. He should have kept this rotation. He should have done that. That everybody overanalyzes the entire situation. You're 100% right. There's no reason to think otherwise than it's a difficult job that the coaching staff has right now trying to figure out who's going to play because you never really know who's going to be on for a period of time on any given night. Seven guys in double figures is great to have, but they're only scoring between 10 and 15 points. I don't know if that's good enough in this league anymore. You got to have somebody step up above the crowd. And right now I don't see that player on this roster that can step up above the crowd, even Dion off the performance he had last night. And that's just sort of rotationally where the Heat are right now, that they're just going to be a team that has 10, 11, 12, 13 guys. And I, I guess obviously a big trade would be the way that you solve that issue is a three for one trade for one of these guys mm-hmm. that, are, that are available. And they've had a, a few opportunities over the course of the last few years, but I, I don't think there is one right now, or even as we approach the trade deadline, I just kind of find uh, interesting how, like you mentioned, on a night-to-night basis, this can change and that they can take on all these different forms. Uh, to me, one of the areas in which that's been most interesting is in the aftermath of Goran Dragic uh, leaving the team with his injury and that Justice Winslow has taken over as point guard and has had some really incredible nights with the ball in his hands and uh, some fairly average ones like he had last night against Denver. What have you made of the way that they've gone about uh, filling in for Dragic's absence? Well, I think back to a few years ago, and I would have liked to have seen the backup point guard And I understand the whole idea of point guard by committee, but I'm a traditionalist that wants somebody in there that plays the position, regardless who it might be. And I'm not saying go back and go find Baino Udra over in Europe someplace or Briante Weber out of the G League or any of those. I figure a traditional type of point guard that was available at the time that you place in there that can give you a few minutes. I don't know. I've never been great as far as bullpen by committee either. You know, designate a closer, designate different players for different spots. And that's the way I think a championship team works. With this team, you look at, you have the opportunity of Josh Richardson played a little. What does that do? It takes away from his offense. Dwayne Wade handles the ball an awful lot of times. James Johnson. And I think when you're doing that, it takes away from what the gifts or the strengths are of the player that usually plays another position on the floor. That's why I would want somebody in there. I think the offense runs so much smoother. Maybe there were times this year that it didn't with Dragic out there, but I want the ball in his hands. There ought to be a designated guy to have that. If Winslow's going to be that guy, that's all well and good, but he's still learning the position. Six foot seven and 235 pounds trying to play point guard is kind of an anomaly. And I just think that unless you're Magic Johnson being that big, that doesn't happen that often. Teams win in this league with some of the great point guards that they've had. And sometimes, you know, the great point guards are Kyrie Irving, Isaiah Thomas. You go over time, and every team seems to have that one guy, just like every football team that wins titles has a guy that at least manages the, the offense as a quarterback. And I think that's what you're lacking right here. Tyler Johnson can handle the ball every once in a while, but you need somebody out there who could do it over the course of 38 to 37, 36 minutes of a game. And I don't think you're seeing that right now. It's not the fault of Winslow. You're a small forward slash power forward trying to learn the spot. I think that's the most difficult thing you have out there that really is – If you're learning on the job, you're going to see games like you've seen over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, you play well for a stretch of time, but consistency is what you're lacking right now. And I think the major reason behind it is because you really don't have a group of players playing in the positions where I think they ought to be at times. I want to introduce you to one of the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that is Brunt Insurance, where you can find all of your protection under one roof. They offer home, auto, commercial and life insurance, and they're licensed to write insurance for the entire state of Florida. That's Pensacola 
all the way to the keys. They've got multiple carriers for all the product lines. Ensure you're paying the lowest rate in your area. And I can speak to this personally because I sent Greg Brunt all of my insurance policies that I had with other companies. He came back to me, said, well, one of them you're doing okay, so just keep that one where it is. But I had one for a condo and I had one for my cars. And he said, in both cases, I could be doing better. He saved me $700. Took one phone call, 15 minutes. I don't want to use 15 minutes because somebody else uses that. It took 14 minutes. And he got all of that stuff taken care of uh, for me. So check out bruntinsurance.com. That's bruntinsurance.com. Greg's also a proud sponsor of the Homes for Heroes program. That means if you're a first responder, teacher, military, or healthcare professional, you'll get a special discount from bruntinsurance.com. Here's the phone number if you prefer to do that, 954-589-2204. And today's episode of the Five Reasons Podcast is brought to you by Doral Toyota, which is one of our great partners and, like us, is pure South Florida. That's Doral Toyota, where you can find all your favorite Toyota models. Whether you're looking for a new, used, or certified pre-owned vehicle, Doral Toyota is located at 9775 Northwest 12th Street, just a few blocks from International and Dolphin Malls. Experience the Doral difference, which means four years complimentary maintenance and roadside assistance on all new vehicles. In-house financing is available for credit-related issues. Also, if you mention five reasons when you call 305-680-1129 or come in the dealership, you will work with a dedicated manager, not a salesman. Unlike other dealers, Doral Toyota prides itself on an honest and transparent buying process. That's Doral Toyota, DoralToyota.com, or stop in at 9775 Northwest 12th Street. Vamos, let's go, Doral Toyota. Again, there are good players on this team. That's not the problem. Yes. In fact, in fact, part of the problem is when Chris and I did all these episodes about can they tank earlier in the season, You know, Chris has repeatedly said they're too good to tank. They have too many good players to tank. But there, it's not a roster that anybody would conceive. It, it, it's just, it, it's sort of like you know, we threw a bunch of guys together at different stages of their careers uh, because of who we could grab at the time, and eventually we'll sort it out. And, and you know, it's it, it's kind of like you know, again, you know, my daughter plays with like with blocks and with you know magnets on the floor, and it's like you know, she doesn't necessarily have a plan when she's putting it all together, right? And then, but it's like eventually she'll move the pieces around, and I feel like. Pat's sitting on the floor deciding how to move the magnets around, and there just has not been an opportunity to, to actually execute what he wants to execute. I, now they, they dodged a bit of a bullet, perhaps, with the Jimmy Butler situation now, it looks like, because Jimmy is kind of now this is now a third team where he's created somewhat of an issue. What does Jimmy um, Butler want in life? Well, what, is I, he, what is he looking for? I, I, can't, I, I, think, I can't figure this guy out. I think he wants everybody on the team to bend to his will, basically. And I, I just don't – he's not LeBron. Like, he's he's a – I mean, even if you're going to say he's a top-10 player, he's on the edge of that. I don't think he is, by the way. I think – I've always said he's closer to about 15. Uh, but, yeah, he clearly wants to be the man, and yet he wants to be on a team that has a lot of really great players around him. Like, that's a tough trick to pull, right? Like, if you, if you want to be the man, then you're saying that other players are subservient to you. And yet you want to play with other greats. Uh, and so I, well, I, I also think- was scared with Butler as far as long term, guys. I mean, yes, when they were sure. talking 40, 45 million dollars for a player of that caliber. Granted, he's on the, the edge of the top 10, even with his attitude, I, I, his talent alone, what he's going to be in five years from yep. now, age wise. I, I just didn't see the point of any team picking him up. So in a way, I was kind of relieved that Philadelphia did when you were offering up your young core and mm-hmm. I think you got some very good players in your young core that you supposedly were placing in this supposed deal so I, I think all in all anybody who has Jimmy Butler gets a tremendous talent but you're also stuck with what else goes on with it well it's also Tibbs years right I and mean, I mean, we've just seen what Minnesota decided to do with Tibbs I mean Jimmy Butler's yeah. 34 may look like somebody else's 38 we don't know I mean it's j- mm-hmm. just because of, of dealing with that but it does feel like basically I, I want to address one thing before I get back to my point the backup point guard thing to me is mystifying. I don't understand it, Tommy. Uh, Pat has always had a backup point guard, okay? He had Tim Hardaway, you know, playing at an elite level, an all-star level. And every year he went and got another backup point guard. It was Murdoch. It was Crotty. It was Terry mm-hmm. Porter. It was Anthony Carter. All four years he had a legitimate backup point, okay? Even during the big three years, they had LeBron and Dwayne to handle the ball. And yet and yet they, they, ha- they drafted Norris Cole to back up Mario Chalmers like they always had a backup point guard at times they had three point guards like I know Ira has harped on the point guard thing for years but he's right like he Mm -hmm. he used to give Pat the hardest time about not having a third point guard on the roster and then Pat decided not to have two and 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 his 
his starting point guard, Goran Dragic, is not really a point guard. Like he's 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 a guy who he does create for others, but he mostly creates for himself. So they haven't had just a guy who just sets up the offense uh, basically for a couple of years now since they got rid of Chalmers. And it's been odd to me that they haven't addressed that. It's just like, we're just going to keep, you mentioned Briante Weber. We're just going to keep cycling through Briante Weber. Clearly they've decided he's not good enough to be on the, on the regular roster all the time. And yet it's like their only option. And they've been so good at developing players in other spaces that I, I don't get it. I, I'm for Winslow at point guard, but I'm for Winslow at point guard where Winslow is not on the floor and you have another point guard who steps in. Right. Or if justice mm-hmm. just doesn't have it that night that you can go to that guy, they don't have that player. And so what's happening is they're doing what they did last night, which is, okay, we're going to decide between Dwayne and now Dion and Jay rich. Who's going to handle Jay rich is not a point guard. He's not, he's no. better. He's better with playing off the ball. They tried it. They sent him to the D league to run 150 pick and rolls a night. It's not his game. I, I don't understand why Pat is such a traditionalist in other ways. Like we got to have a center. Like he was always a center point guard guy everywhere. New York, mm-hmm. Doc Rivers, Derek. I mean, you know, that team, Doc right. Rivers, Derek sure. Harper. Okay. All the, I, I don't, I don't get that, Tommy. I, I don't uh, just philosophically. I don't know why he's decided to do that. But the, the other point that you made about the roster, clearly what it is, is they believe they have a ton of complimentary players and like Chris says, if they can just do a three for one somewhere and get the one guy who's going to make everything else fall into place, they're good. I guess the problem is I don't know who that one guy is. Like you, Butler had issues and it was was hard to acquire. John Wall wouldn't have been a good choice before that. Bradley mm. Beal, it doesn't seem like Washington wants to trade him. Giannis to me seems like a pipe dream. I mean, he's, he's on the number one team in the East right now. Um, and then Anthony Davis has better options. So as you look around the league, who is it? Like, what are we looking at here? Kawhi? Maybe, Maybe not as a trade, but I'm saying, are you talking just trade right at this moment? Because I'm well, thinking I, free I, I, agency I, I, also down the road. Well, either way, like, I, I mean, who is that guy going to be? Because clearly that's what Pat's sticking around for, like, is, is for one more push at somebody. Like, he's going to push some of these chips on the table and say, okay, and try to make it attractive for a team. Like, who? I, I just don't see the player for whom this situation is going to be better than, say, the Lakers or why mm-hmm. Kawhi would leave the talent he has in Toronto. Like, Game Lillard? I, maybe. May, is, is Lillard the guy? Is McCullum the guy? I, I'm just I'm trying to find that one piece, and I, I don't – it has to exist, or I think Pat would have walked out the door. He has to see something to make this worth it for him to stick around, and I just – but I don't know what it is. Well, you were there back in the, the middle part of the last decade when Shaq ended up here, Ethan, and yes. uh, I don't know how many people were actually thinking that they could pull something like that off for who they were able to give away. I, I thought that was a nice little team in 2004, but mm-hmm. you realize something was missing if you were going to make it to that next level. It's sort of what you're talking about right now. I'm not saying that there's a Shaq out there that's disgruntled with uh, whatever team he's on that is willing to come and accept whatever Miami's been able to give. And then you're going to give up those young players, sort of the Lamar Odoms or Karan Butlers that were given away back in 2004. I, I don't know if that person is out there. All those guys you were mentioning, I don't think there's anybody in the league that wouldn't want to have any of those names out there. But is there that person? Tell you the truth, I don't know. I'm sure upper management knows this a little bit better than I do. But I right now don't see that. I, that's why I think of the offseason, we're hearing the name Carmelo Anthony. Not saying you're going to trade three for one for him, but that, oh, okay, here's a star name. Maybe he's got something left. Well, we've noticed after Houston let him go, nobody's jumping, knocking right. down his door to try to get him in there. So I don't think there is at the moment this player out there. I don't see it. I don't hear it. I, I, I'm not even sure if it's available at the moment for a trade that you could give up anybody in your roster. And you're right. They're good to great players. They're good players. Now, whether you can give up three or four of them to get that player, I don't know who that player is either. And that's really the dilemma that they face uh, in the coming years. But I, I think that's something for, for way down the line and is kind of out of the scope of the current team. But as, as you look at the current team, what have you made of just the, the, the direction that they've kind of gone in an up and down way over the course of the year where I think on nights that they play really well, they're defending really well. I feel like their defending is kind of directly correlated to how much they win. They're actually seventh right now in the NBA 
NBA in defensive rating, which is you know commensurate mm-hmm. with a team that is really good. Their offensive rating is in the 20s, but as much as they're good at defending on most nights, on the nights in which they aren't, I think are the nights that they lose. When, when you look at this team, on nights that they are playing well, what are they doing? And on the nights like Atlanta, what are they not doing well? Well, the, you, you hit the nail on the head exactly what they were doing, defending. And uh, the way I look at it is you, you think back to the Clipper game when they decided to go to the zone. And I'm not saying the zone is the, is the elixir. To me, it's the wildcat all over again that eventually teams are going to figure it out if they have it already, that you're only going to be able to use it in small doses if you keep using it at all. I, I think uh, – there's nothing wrong with being able to defend. I, I, as I've said, I'm old school and a traditionalist that I like the idea, whatever sport you're in, that defense is going to win for you. But you've got to have a little bit of offense. I don't, I don't think there are too many teams that can be seventh in one area, Chris, and then all of a sudden be 25 or below in another area and be that successful when you get to the postseason. Now, granted, the number on Golden State at times, you look at them and you say, wow, they're 19th on defense and number one on offense. Well, the reason behind that is because there's so many darn possessions in the game and how many points they're scoring. Yeah, you're going to give up points considering the other team's going to have the ball an awful lot. So I I don't see where they're playing bad defense. It's just the question of their offense is so much better than anything else. I think with Miami, they just got to find some kind of balance on offense to be competitive. But the way they're going to win games is exactly the way you said it. They didn't play defense that much in Atlanta. They didn't seem like they were really involved in it at any point in the game, even when they tied it early in the third quarter. And last night, I thought they played pretty good defensively at times against a decent offensive team. They're a much better defensive team as well. But I still think that if this team is going to go anyplace, they're going to have to get better offense. We all know that. But they're going to have to continue playing that seventh-ranked defense that you're talking about. And more often than not, in a couple of nights, you can't give up 115, 120 points and expect to win games. I think one of the interesting things about the rest of the season is is when they put themselves in a position where they feel comfortable that they're going to make the playoffs and then when they start positioning themselves in the playoffs. Because I, I do think, first thing, I do think they're going to make the playoffs at this stage. I, I just look at the six through ten teams and they, again, as, as much as we criticize the roster, I think there's more to work with than there are for a couple of those other teams. And, and so I, right. I, do, I do think that they're going to get, you know, in the playoffs. I think they'll likely be the six or the seven. And I think what they're going to have to determine then is, all right, who do we match up with um, to make at least a first round series interesting? And I think we're going to get a sense of this a little bit, uh, you know, as we speak here tomorrow night against Boston, because they've had some compelling matchups against Boston over the past couple of years. And the Celtics have really not totally figured it out. Like you talk about being a, mm-hmm. an, a, a bad offensive team or not where you're supposed to be. Like, you know, there's got to be some questions at this stage with Brad Stevens on that end of the floor. I don't think there's any questions about him as a defensive coach, but I mean, you've got a lot of talented offensive players on that team and that team at times struggles to score and they've had to, you know, move two of their offensive pieces to the bench just to sort of, you know, firm out their rotation a little bit. So I think that's an interesting matchup for Miami. We've seen that Miami is one of the few teams in the league that gives Giannis trouble. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and again, I don't know if I like their chances against Milwaukee in a series that they're playing the Bucks uh, coming up here. We actually have a watch party for it Tuesday. Uh, yeah, right. ne- next Tuesday. I, and I'm going to be interested to see again, do they use a similar approach? Because Again, some of the pieces that Spolster has to work with are useful against a team like that. James Johnson bothers him with his strength a little bit. They have some longer guys like Winslow that they can use against him. So that's an interesting matchup. I don't like. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Like the Philly matchup for them 
uh, all that much. I think that the Sixers are still in need of desperately of a shooter or two. I'm sure that probably Miami doesn't want to give them a shooter because they don't want to make it easier for them against them in a playoff series. Pat doesn't like trading inside the conference, particularly to potential rivals. Um, but I, and I think Toronto is a bad matchup ultimately. I think when they're totally healthy. So I, I think what we're going to be looking at over the, the, the second half of the season is can the Heat put themselves in a position where they get a little distance from a, from a Brooklyn, from a Detroit, uh, from a Charlotte, from an Orlando, which we know they struggle against typically, but can they get a little bit of distance there where then it's, okay, can we seek out a matchup? If you look at any of those teams, Tommy, which is the one where the Heat would have a chance? I'm not calling them a favorite in any of those series. They'd be on the road for sure to start, but which is the one you'd say, okay, this team, I would give the Heat an opportunity in the first round. Well, that's a tough one, to be honest with you, because I've seen them play every team so far except Boston. They haven't played just yet, and that would be something I'd, I'd want to see if it ever ended up in a 4-5. But I, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm going to try to figure out Philadelphia. I, I'm not crazy about the matchup, but I think they get psyched up for them more than anybody. Milwaukee's a nice matchup based on the regular season, but it, it reminds me of a few years ago when Brooklyn took all four games against the Heat. You figured, oh, gosh, they're going to meet in the playoffs. The matchups just don't fit the Heat. And they ended up winning the darn thing in five games. So if I had to pick between any of those other teams, I myself like Indiana. I think they can play with Indiana in a seven-game series and take care of them more than any of the other teams out there. I don't like the Toronto matchup, even though they played them close the day after Christmas. Uh, Boston will have to wait and see. I think Boston scares me because they always do. They're a team waiting in the weeds. And Ethan, for years you were asking me, what about Cleveland? They're falling apart. It's March. It's mm -hmm. April. And I said, Ethan, don't worry about it. They've got you-know-who. Mm -hmm. And look what happened every single year. There is, was this tired behind sitting there in June, playing in the finals every single year, and everybody worried about them in March. That's the way I look at uh, Boston. They're smart enough to realize, you know what the regular season really means for the Boston Celtics? Didn't mean a heck of a lot the last couple of years when they were the top seed. It was almost like the Indiana Pacers a few years ago. Hey, we're the top seed. Congratulations to us. You still have to play LeBron and Chris and Dwayne, who kicked your butt the last couple of years. So you're going to run into that type of situation. When the playoffs come, defense wins. Everybody gets animated and goes crazy, and they're all excited. I, I think that's why it would be a problem against Milwaukee. They're not, they have not been in too many playoff series. Then again, neither have a lot of these Heat guys. I still think they could match up pretty well with Milwaukee. I like them matching up against Indiana. Uh, I think the teams I'd want to stay away from, I know I said Philadelphia. I don't like Philadelphia. I don't like Toronto. That's the way I look at it with those guys. And Boston, they're Boston. That's the only reason I don't want to play them. Yeah, I think for me, the area where they're going to take advantage of someone is just the fact that depth does not win in the playoffs. But if there is going to be a scenario in which depth could win in the playoffs, it would be Philly who has yet to make a move, uh, not not being able to, to, to find a way to maneuver a move and, and figure something out so that they could add to their bench. Because, I mean, you look at what their regular rotation looks like and it's just it's not good I mean the the guys that they're like last night they get a, you know a huge performance from Landry Shamay off the bench who makes right. eight threes yeah. who scores 29 yeah. to help them win uh, over over Washington but they're starting Corkmaz uh, their their bench is Bolden, Muscala, Shamay, McConnell and Milton like they just don't have enough in my opinion uh, to, off the bench to really you know bring you know bring it against a heat team that I feel like can win in areas you know six, seven, eight, and nine, even as much as you're probably going to be playing Butler and Bead and Simmons, you know, 36 to 40 minutes. Like, I, I still think Philly is the team that just has enough weaknesses. I think a lot of people look at Indiana that way, but I think this is based off the fact that they've yet to really do it in the postseason. They don't really have obvious star talents other than Victor Oladipo. And even Victor Oladipo is, you know, relatively new into that status. So I just think people look at the names on the sheet and who you're going to be playing. But Indiana has been incredible this year on both ends of the floor. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I, just, I just don't think that the Heat have enough for them, particularly with their offensive struggles against their, I think they're third in the league. I'm sorry, second in the league in defensive rating. So I don't think, I think Philly is probably the team as much as last year, I was really talking them up. And uh, I thought that, that they were on an upper trajectory. Just the way that their their roster has been mismanaged and the lack of depth that they have, I think they're the team that Miami would probably most want to face.
I, I agree. Yeah, with but you. showing my true colors, guys, I'll tell you this much about Philadelphia. I hate the New York Yankees like a passion. And they always <laughs> seem to get somebody at the trading yeah. deadline that always say, what? And, and now Tulowitzki and all these other characters. And I'm not going to go into baseball because that'll drive you all crazy. But there's a Bellinelli and an Ilyasova sitting out there for Philadelphia that all of a sudden you wake up and say, how the heck did they get them? Well, and then all of a sudden they go out and they start shooting from uh, 45 feet or right up they get off the bus. And the next thing you know is, gee, Philadelphia's got a bench all of a sudden. That's what I worry about with them. That's what I originally thought of when I said, hey, Chris, your point is right. The bench stinks right now, but eventually they're going to get, I think, a piece or two to go into that position. And I I understand what you're saying about Indiana, but that's just the way I look at it. Indiana and Milwaukee right now are better teams than Miami. I'll give anybody that. But I still say once you get to the playoffs, I think a situation with the way matchups are, I like Miami there. If they bring their A game defensively and they can play better offensively like I think they're going to in the second half, that's why I like those matchups more than I like those other two or three teams. Tommy, I think you're right, though, about – and that's what I was going to mention about Philadelphia. They're going to get someone at the buyout deadline, uh, even if it's Uh not at the trade deadline. It may not be of the quality of Bellinelli and Ilyasova like last year, but they're going to get a shooter or two. Uh, Those those guys are out there. Uh, There are teams that are looking to clear those kind of players to create some cap space now I, I i think that they will make a move or two they they know they have to i mean uh, you know elton brand's in charge now remember i mean we're now two gms separated from hinky uh at this mm-hmm. and and some of the things colangelo did i didn't like but brand makes the butler move knowing he needs to make another move there's no question about it. and elton brand if you ever talk to him is is a really bright guy like i think he's going to do a very, very good job there um and and so and, and look you know Maybe the Heat will deal with them. There is that Duke thing, right? Like, so, so maybe, maybe that's a team that the Heat actually would engage in. Although, although Riley's history uh, is not to deal with teams uh, in the conference, and particularly teams he may see in the playoffs. He's just never done it. Um, and so, I, I don't know that that you would be able to send an Ellington or a Magruder there. They still have the Fultz piece, which, if a team wants to take a chance on Fultz, they could. They still they own the Heat's first round pick. Uh, coming up so they have assets that they can move I think they're going to look a little bit different I think whereas Indiana may stay intact I don't think Toronto does much I I think they've got the right group around Kawhi the whole thing Mm -hmm. is about just trying to keep Kawhi Uh, Milwaukee may add we've seen them be aggressive in terms of getting Bledsoe and some of the other moves that they made the past couple of years so maybe they do something but um, you know when I look at it overall I, I, I say you know to me I know you say Boston is Boston I don't know, though. Something doesn't feel right with that group. Hey, you didn't feel that way about Cleveland. Don't go there. No, No, yeah, 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 but Kyrie ain't LeBron, Tommy. Like, uh, you know. I know he's not. You know, and and, and there's also a very good chance, based on prior history, that Kyrie's going to miss about six weeks coming up at some point soon because that that tends to happen. And Jalen Brown has just not had a very good year. Uh, That hasn't fit all that well. You don't worry about Horford. Uh, Tatum, if you look at Tatum's shot chart compared to last year, he's taken shots from different spots on the floor, a lot of mid-range stuff. I, and and I, Stevens is just not proven to me. I, I think he's really good at leading a team. I think he's an excellent, excellent defensive coach. I would certainly take him as a head coach. But he has not proven he can he can put a really good offensive team together. And this is the first time he's had a lot of offensive talent. Hasn't really mm-hmm. worked. Gordon Hayward's not himself yet. I don't know, man. I think you could. I, I think there could be rotation issues, some questions there. I think I'll be curious to see how Boston looks the rest of the season, but I, I do think and, and, and Miami sees them twice. I think in the next couple of weeks, so we'll uh, we'll we'll, we'll, get, we'll, we'll yeah. get a decent look at it. We'll, we'll, we'll get a better sense of that. All right, I want to get to Dwayne Wade here. Uh, we touched on it here a little bit uh, first before we get to the All Star thing because something I, that our our network is is getting behind here, and I want to touch on that with you. But what has been your sure. favorite? What has been your favorite? I mean, Dwayne's already had you know some of these moments after games, the exchange of jerseys. Uh, obviously, the LeBron one sticks out to a lot of people. But is there another one? Is there there one favorite for you this year? Something you've really enjoyed in terms of this process that Dwayne's gone through? Absolutely, Ethan. Uh, giving the fan the sneaker, making the kid cry on that same West Coast road trip in Phoenix. I mean, that, that's hard to believe that you can have that kind of touch to any other human being. I only wish for a moment. There's certain things I'd like to do in life. That's one. Another one would be dunk, but I know I'm not going to do that with my legs, so that's <laughs> completely out the door. But that he was able to do that for a kid wearing a jersey. The kid takes his jersey off to give to Wade, and Wade takes it in such a to- touching moment and makes this kid not just his day, his week, his month. Do you think this young man is ever going to forget what just happened, that 
in that moment. No, the rest of his life, it's going to be something. It's, I wouldn't say life-changing for the young man, but it's going to be one of the top five things that's ever going to happen to him that somebody he idolizes takes a moment out of his time to do something that he did, which Wade probably thought was just a small gesture, which a lot of this, you know, trading jerseys is. You know, I didn't agree with the Isaiah Thomas one, but that's another story. I know they play together. <laughs> but there's an awful lot of ones out there that you think, man, Chris Bosh, that was pretty cool. And a lot of these other guys, uh, Trey Young the other night saying, you know, I remember you when I was in first grade. I mean, a lot of the stories behind this are great, but in just taking one, it's like saying, gee, what's the one Dwayne Wade moment? Then you go back to his first year. What's the one Dwayne Wade moment? I can't think of one over 16 years. There's just so many that you think about that you think of one, you say, oh, there's that other one. And then you think, oh, the 50 point game. Oh, there's the half court shot. Oh, he's standing on the table in Dallas. You know, that's just the same way it is with this type of thing. But if I had to pick one over any of the other ones, it's the kid in Phoenix. Tuesday, January 15th, Miami Heat Beat is hosting another watch party poolside at Duffy's in North Miami. Come out and watch with us as the Miami Heat take on the Milwaukee Bucks at 8 p.m. There's going to be games, drink specials, and you'll even have a chance to win Heat Beat's newly released Justice Better t-shirt. Plus, someday, you'll be able to tell your grandkids that you were there when Five Reasons finally broke their watch party curse. Okay, fine. I'm not making any promises, but we're 0-8 right now when this f***ing losing streak's gotta end at some point, right? So come on down and hang out with some of your favorite Heat Beat personalities, as well as other members of 5 Reason Sports. That's Tuesday, January 15th, poolside at Duffy's, 3969 Northeast 163rd Street, North Miami Beach. Tip-off is at 8 p.m., Hey, everybody, Seth Levitt and O.J. McDuffie of The Fish Tank here, but we're not diving in with a great story right now. Instead, we want to tell you about an incredibly fun upcoming charity event benefiting the Jason Taylor Foundation. That's right, Big Seth. Wiffle Blast. Man, I can't wait. I know you're fired up, Juice. The third annual Wiffle Blast presented by Funky Buddha Brewery and Sports Chiropractic and Natural Health Solutions will take place on Saturday, January 19th at Pine Trails Park in Parkland. Man, you guys do a great job with this event. I played last year with my son and a couple friends, and we really had a blast from the competition to the home run derby to the kids zone it was just a perfect day from start to finish do i still have time to get my team in yeah we got you juice we still have room for a few more teams as well and since the five reasons sports network is a media partner for the event the foundation is offering 100 dollars off the cost of a team if you use they the have code. a team yeah they have a team ethan and those guys i mean there's some studs on that i can't roster. wait to play them we'll put you guys in the same division All right, that's what's up so we're gonna put five reasons and juice in the same division and if you sign up now you can be in that division as well and get a hundred dollars off the cost of a team if you use the code five reasons that's the number five reasons and the best part of it all oj is that your donation will help support children battling cancer as well as pediatric emergencies yeah you know that's what matters most absolutely it is for more information visit jasontaylorfoundation.org or call 954-424-0799 ethan get that arm warmed up I find fascinating the intrigue over every night. Okay, who's going to get the jersey tonight? And and I, I really do sure. think, to, to me, the thing that's been the best part about this is that he's doing this while also playing well. Well, in the last couple of games, we talked about the Denver game and the Atlanta game had the incredible over-his-head leave for Derrick mm-hmm. Jones Jr., who throws down mm-hmm. the dunk. Last night, it was just throwing the ball in the area code of Bam Adebayo, who threw it over his head with two hands. The fact that yep. and, and so many of these can feel and look sad, and Kobe's was sad to me until he scored the 60 points on his final night, that it's not sad with Dwayne, that he's still playing well, that he's still contributing, that Eric Spolstra still relies on him, and that he is still a figure with prominence and isn't going out in the way that Carmelo Anthony did. I, I just think it it's, makes this so much more palatable for me because I, I kind of thought that it was going to be a sideshow during the year, but it most certainly has not been. And I think it's added to his legend. Like you mentioned, the the, the, the story with you know the kid, the story with Trey Young that, I mean, it, it does mm-hmm. kind of have to be mortifying to him that there are people who play in the NBA. Oh, I watched you as a kid. Oh God, don't tell me that. He's got to feel like a thousand years old, but that he can do that while still having 
winning status as a player to me has been really cool to see. Well, Ethan, kids like uh, Chris Whittingham say that about me that they heard hit me <laughs> when I was six years when they were six years old, and you calling me up when I was at Sports Phone back in the '80s. So I don't oh, want to hear about that type I, of thing. What always bothers me, you know, you, you think about Wade, and I agree with Chris 100. percent It's great to see Wade playing at a level like this. This is better than I think a lot of people thought, or this is at least what they hoped that you were going to get. I go back in time, and I hate to date myself, but I am. Willie Mays in the 73 series looking like, you know, mm-hmm. a schlunk out in center field. Joe Namath in his final mm-hmm. year with the Rams. I mean, Patrick, throwing interceptions Pat, Pat, in Chicago. Patrick, Patrick Ewing. Shaquille, in Seattle. Sha- Shaquille, Shaquille O'Neal in Boston. In Boston. Um, yeah. I mean, you can go on. Johnny Unitas, even before that, Johnny Unitas, one of the greatest quarterbacks. And I can't remember Johnny Unitas because I was a little young for that, thank goodness. But the fact is, there isn't a Charger uniform. You know, he could barely get back into the, you know, back into the, into the pocket. Uh, you know, things like that. Sugar Ray Leonard, come on, guys, it's time. You should realize as much as you want to continue playing this game, it's time. Wade realized, you know, it's time. But you know what? I still have enough for one more year and I can still be good at this. And that's exactly what he's doing, which is what's making it so cool. Because think about it. There's eight minutes gone by in the first quarter of every game and all of a sudden you hear the murmur in the building as bad as the first quarter might be including last night and all of a sudden hey finally here he comes into the game something to cheer about you didn't get that with anybody else coming in Tyler Johnson doesn't get that kind of response Deion Waiters didn't get that kind of response you know polite applause you know but uh, with Dwayne Wade it's just fun every single day to see him even though he's not going to score you 24, 26 points a night that he's getting you 14 is gold as far as I'm concerned for this franchise. Yeah, I think it's worked out about as well as you could have hoped. I, I really do. Um, and, and Chris has talked many times about how, you know, they ended up getting him back on a contract that was, you know, we talk about all the bad contracts that the Heat have, right? And and to have have Dwayne Wade playing for this at that level. I mean, he's playing yeah. basically, um, he's playing as a five or six million dollar player right now, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he's making, you know, about a third of that. And so they've definitely gotten value from it beyond the marketing thing, which, I mean, the value of that, then then triple it again. Uh, The vice jerseys alone, I mean, have made it worth it. And, you know, but I do think from a basketball perspective, what's going to be really compelling over the second half of the season is, all right, so now you have Dion back, who basically was the guy who was sort of supplanting Dwayne in some of those situations. How does Eric make this work? Because we know ultimately – Spolster is going to rely on Dwayne. Like, I, I mean, there are situations at the end of games, like even last night, where I thought you could have taken Dwayne off for a defensive substitution at the end of the game. Eric's mm-hmm. not going to. Eric's not going to do that. Another coach would. Okay, maybe in that situation. So, I think the blending of the basketball so far it's worked out pretty well because um, you didn't have Dragic, you didn't have Waiters. There's been a need for Dwayne. Now, when Goron comes back, if you haven't made trades of significance to uh, remove people who are in the rotation and you have Dragic and you have waiters and you've got Tyler making 19 million and you've got you still want to you know play Winslow at the point. You've got Josh wanting to play, you know, not wanting to, but, you know, better at his natural position. Goron's back healthy. Of the two. Right. Goron's back mm-hmm. healthy. But Gruder, OK, I could probably just go to in a pinch role. But you got Derek Jones Jr. You got so many guys. That's where I think it's going to become even more challenging, because as we get later in the season, People are going to want to see Dwayne play more, not less. They're mm-hmm. going to want to see him play more because there's less of these dates left. And a lot of people, too, bought tickets for the second half of the season because they want to see Dwayne mm-hmm. for the last time. So, I, I, But I am, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how they manage that. I'm also looking forward to his last stop in Boston, his last stop in Dallas, his last Chicago. stop in San, San Antonio, Chicago for New sure, York. New York. So there, there are still five or six different places where I think it'll be compelling. And I'm also curious to see if you're Eric, do you maybe give Dwayne a night off against a team that's not as compelling? Like he doesn't have a history. Right, right, right. Well, he has a history against Detroit, though. Remember? I mean, it's it's a long oh, five time. And, yeah, oh, four, yeah. Oh, five, oh, six. Yeah. It's a long time ago. But like, you know, some of the places I'm trying to think they've been out west now. Some of the places that they've been. Uh, I mean, do we care about Cleveland? Do we care about, uh, I mean, I know he played there, but I mean, do we care about and it? He missed this past one. Yeah. I, I, I think almost you wonder, do to a certain extent. If you're going to care about Detroit, you care about Cleveland. Right. I, I almost wonder, though, with, with the road games, that if it's his last road game there, if those fans, particularly for the tanking teams that have no reason to go, like there will be a segment of fans that will go just to see Dwayne. And I wonder if Dwayne like cares at all about that. I almost wonder 
I, not that home games is the way to do it either. I, I don't know. I right. think it's I, I, th- it's I think tough. it's just you play every night unless you have, like you're double like you're going to a place that you're going to again. Like I, I think I think he's just going to play every night. It's his last season, and he's already had a break in the middle of the year, albeit under different circumstances. But I I, I would just say he plays as much as he could. Yeah, I you know, you, Chris, you, you, I agree with you to a certain extent, but then think about about oh, a month ago when he went to Memphis and he didn't play there as bad as he felt because he was ill. And he went out there, he says, gee, you know, I feel bad for these people. And he spent two and a half hours signing autographs. It's not right. the same thing as seeing him out on the floor. But then the next night he played New Orleans, hence why I said Detroit, Chicago. Yeah, okay, if you go back to Tayshaun Prince and back in those days with uh, some of the guys they played against in, in you know, the bad boy after mm-hmm. the bad boy era with, with the Pistons, you know, that was a damn good rivalry for a three, four-year period of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, then, then it means something to somebody, but Chicago. I mean, we know what Chicago is going to mean next Saturday. Right. So that's why, I, that's why I threw Detroit out there. But you're right, there's, there's just so many other games that you look at and think, well, it's going to be his last trip to San Antonio. Ethan made a point on that one. There's other Western cities, but even he told me, going to Denver, well, it really won't mean as much to me in Denver. It won't mean as much to me here and there in some of these places, Sacramento, as some other spots that Ethan brought up before with Boston and Chicago and New York. You know, it's a difficult thing for him to do because think about it. Remember a few years ago we were saying, gee, what's the over-under on games he's going to play with the knee in the back? when he was? Is he going to get 70? And now all of a sudden it's, well, gee, can he play every single game because people want to see him play? That's a tough thing to do, especially in his condition at 37 years of age once he turns that in a week or so. Yeah, it, it's it is incredible I, that we don't talk about that stuff anymore. It's just like I mean, the whole big three era, the Great. last, the last, but the last two years of the big three, like that was a, a top three storyline on that team. Yeah, was, was is Dwayne going to play tonight? And this went on forever, and now we're we're four years out. He's four years, five years older, and we don't even discuss it anymore. It's just like okay, now we need to force him to sit. Like instead of he's yeah. going to miss games, miss games naturally. It's tough though to keep him out for home games unless it's you know, a long homestand, like, cause that is a big reason why a lot of the fans here are coming. I, I it's, it's tough. If you got to make a decision between, like you said, I know he's been in new Orleans already, but if you got to make a decision between a new Orleans or a Memphis or a Miami, I guess you choose to sit out that one, but there are certain ones he has to make it to uh, one place. We do want to see him play and our network's gotten behind this. Um, look for the hashtag, uh, you know, Wade weekend, uh, which we're going to have out here all the way until voting is over with on the 21st is the all-star game, Tommy. And I was a little bit surprised by this. I, I guess I, I'm not surprised by Dwayne's popularity, um, but but I am surprised. I was surprised a little bit with some of the names he was ahead of, particularly this year, that as we speak, he's number two in guards in all-star mm-hmm. voting behind Kyrie. Uh, but he's ahead of Kyle Lowry, who always has a huge following from Canada. Mm-hmm. We've seen the past years. about the one year, yeah. T- right, t- taking him across the line. Ahead of Kemba Walker, who I know he's in Charlotte, mm-hmm. but that Charlotte is hosting the All-Star game this year, so they're more energized, and he's ahead of those two. Um, there weren't any other names that sort of jumped out to me as Washington's not having a great year, walls out for the season. Uh, you know, I don't know that Beal has a huge following. Simmons is a name that came up for sure. Embiid is... Oladipo. Is and Oladipo, who certainly deserves it based on merit. I- I'll start here. Do you have any – there are some people who are all-star purists, and they're like, okay, Kemba and Kyrie or Oladipo and Kyrie or Lowry should be starting the all-star game. They're on better teams. They're in their prime. They're having better seasons. In Kemba's case, he's hosting uh, or his team is hosting, his city is hosting. Do you have – try to step back from a little bit from the bias that we both have on this. Uh, are you okay just from a league perspective for Dwayne Wade starting in his last all-star game? Absolutely, and I'm not saying that because I get paid by somebody at 601 Biscayne Boulevard. I will tell you <laughs> point blank, I go back and being old, I remember when the, the aforementioned Willie Mays was making the all-star game every year. Why? Because people wanted to see him. I think you ought to make a case for Dirk Nowitzki as well, making it on the West team. All right, so they go down there and they play what? Two minutes, six minutes max. They're both probably going to end up there using their brand anyway. So I get the feeling you put one of the whatever team, you don't think that Wade is going to be picked by LeBron if it gets to that point. I have a funny feeling whoever the other person is that's going to be going up against LeBron picking his team. is I say, uh, you know what? Unless, you're, unless he's trying to force a three-for-one deal to really stack the deck in one direction, he'll let LeBron have Wade. How cool would that be to see LeBron and Wade on the court as teammates one more time? 
So to answer the question, do I think he belongs out there? Yes, based on his popularity in the league. I think the players could kind of weepy over it and see that and say, yeah, I don't think that's a bad idea after all. But I do see your other point with you should have Irving, et cetera, Kemba Walker and some of these other players out there getting the opportunity to play because they deserve to be all-star type of players. But I don't see a problem with putting a, if they're going with a roster of 15, putting a 16th player on, to put players like that who've meant so much to the game in there just to get a little taste of the game, especially in the scenario that I just mentioned with him and James. I'm fascinated by how the other elements of the all-star voting end up panning out with this because it's not just the fans that vote, and obviously the fans have Dwayne Wade second. How does the media deal with this? And obviously the players uh, have representatives that vote as well. So how do they kind of handle the merit versus this would be cool aspect of it? Because I agree, Tommy, that I think, you know, if if this is a spectacle for the fans, then I, I, I definitely think that Dwayne Wade and Dirk Nowitzki should be in it one last time as kind of the guys that are leaving the respective conference conferences after so long with those teams but at the same time I do also understand the other aspect of it which is the all-stars do like for example when we talk about Dwayne Wade's career 15 years from now we'll say 17 time all-star and use Mm -hmm. that and use that as a way to analyze the way that his career went when clearly we could say that based off his performances this year he would not be an all-star so I, I do kind of find fascinating the as a sort of capturing of that year that Dwayne Wade is not an all-star in the context of a basketball, you know, in the context of basketball for this year. But I do think for the emotional reasons and for the fact that it is a fan event that it, it, he absolutely should be in and, and that the fans should get to see him one last time in that game. And as you mentioned, playing alongside the great cities played with in Olympic teams and with his heat teams. Well, I'll tell you this much, Chris, uh, you're a newbie to this business compared to two old <laughs> Codgers like myself and Mr. Skolnick. Uh, Ethan, a well-respected member of the media for many, many years, and the same with myself, I'd like to think, and this will be my 40th year in the business uh, unless something happens beforehand, but uh, I'm going to let you know a little secret. I don't think the media, anybody cares, any fans care what the media think, to be honest with you, as far as putting anybody into any all-star game or anything of that nature. So, I, I think I'll always say this for the all-star game. I would only watch it as a fan. I don't like going into covering it, because yeah. I just think, what, regardless what it is, it's basketball, baseball, whatever. I went to the Pro Bowl twice. That could be the worst possible thing except <laughs> seeing some bad movie. I mean, that's just, that, that stuff awful. is just awful. Yeah, it's awful. So I don't think anybody out there really matters that much as far as what I think, what Ethan, what Chris, what any of us think in what we do for a living. I think it's a fan's game. I've always said that. And if they want, whoever they want in there, let them have them. If they want to put anybody else in there for a reason, I'm okay with it. As goofy as sometimes I've seen baseball, you look and say, how the heck did you put him in with several thousand million votes over the next guy? Hey, they want him in there for a reason. So 35 million people, even if they're coming from China or Korea, are voting for a certain player to be in there. I'm all for doing it because somebody wants to see that person in the game. Yeah, and I don't think, I mean, Dwayne's not on like the fence for the Hall of Fame. So I, I don't know if, you know, him getting one more all-star appearance is going to be like, oh, that's the thing that got him over the edge. I mean, I, so, I don't think so. So, uh, you know, but I, what I've always said, though, the league, I think, should have a a, a, a 13th spot uh, that should be for a Dirk or a Dwayne. It, it should be mm-hmm. because, because you know, to be honest with you, there are fans who would like to see Vince Carter in this game just to see oh, Vince one last Another good example. Right? Another so, very good example. You know, and in this case, you know, they, you know, Dwayne would probably beat him out for that spot. But I, I do think, you know, basketball is so much about the individuals. I think more so than mm-hmm. any of the other sports at this stage. Agreed. And, and, and people want to, they remember where they were when, you know, I, look, I, one of the fun all-star games I covered, I covered like 11 of them. I think I am going to go to Charlotte this year, particularly if Dwayne's there. Um, but, it, you know, one of the most fun I want to cover was 2000, and that was in Golden State. And that's because that was Vince's dunk show, um, mm, basically. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, you're talking 18 years ago, all right, that, that I was at that thing. And, you know, people remember that with Vince. I mean, I, to see Vince one last time, I know Vince right now is a spot-up shooter, but uh, still to just have him on the team. I've always felt like there should be a spot on each side for a legend, one legend spot. Okay. Somebody that, you know, is going out uh, and, and that, that spot is available. And then the guy plays, you know, if he plays five minutes, he plays 10 minutes or whatever. Dwayne has gone to all-star games and played very little uh, at times. I mean, sometimes he's played a lot. So I I do think uh, it would be cool to have him there. All right. We're going to transition here for the last part of this. A couple of things I want to do with you. The first thing you mentioned this, 
that I heard your voice as a very young child. Um, because on how young you were, but uh, you know, you were, you were, you I was were a, a whippersnapper. I, I, I was young because uh, I, this is before Chris's time, before you had the internet. Okay. To get the scores, you had to call a number. Okay. There was a number uh, and, and it, it was a nine, seven, six number, I believe, which was very close to the kind of number that you weren't supposed to call because that's would, correct. Yeah. Cause, Cause you would get in trouble for calling that particular number, a very different type of voice. I used to call uh, that number five times a night, incidentally, but go ahead. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, a voice is sounded- I had to check it. I had to check it, Ethan, to make sure it was on the air. You know what I, I mean? Right. No, I, I understand that. Uh, the voice that would sound say more like Stormy Daniels than Tommy Tig, uh, would exactly, come on, yes, it would, was, would, yes. would, would come on the phone. It's Probably you somebody. always wanted to hear Starmy tell you what Temple was doing with Villanova. That, <laughs> we're gonna leave it right there. But here's here, exactly. but but here here's what we want to do with you, Tommy. When you were yeah. the voice of Sports Phone, can you give us thirty seconds of the scores right now? Just how, how uh, would you? Not right. Not where I'm sitting at this moment. No, I could not <laughs> do it right now. No, <laughs> I don't think so. These people are looking at me anyway in this parking lot. I have a funny feeling if I started rattling off scores, they'd have me committed because the police station I hear is right down the block. So you, you don't want to give the Hartford Whalers score. The Har- I, I used to call you for the Hartford Whalers score to see what. I don't know why you would. I, I, I did. One I of the greatest buildings in the world to go in because it was in a mall. I used to love oh, going I up remember. there and watching Celtics games and whale games. I, I covered I covered a game there. And yes, you're right. The the, the arena was in an, an old mall. You just you stepped right yep. into that uh, right on the mall uh, into the yep. arena. All right. So I tried to yep. get you to the sports from Jumbo Juice to Mrs. Fields to oh my god, there's a hockey game going on right there. Yes. <laughs> that right. is correct. That's right. And that, that was Nordstrom at- on the corner, Sears on the other corner. Yes. By the way, during the second period, it's 4-4. That's exactly right. So you were the sports phone. You were the voice of sports phone, for people who don't know. Uh, but you are also, and people remember, people probably remember this uh, as an NFL host, that you are kind of the pun master. Um, now, we, we have one of those in our network, Nikias Duncan. You can follow him at, at Nikias NBA. Um, he is our resident uh, pun master. I would say he hits about 34% of the time, um, roughly what Dwayne's hitting from three. Uh is that something you could do off the top of your head as well? Do you have a pun for the five reasons podcast that you can provide? For no, us? I will save that for the next time. If there is the next time, depending on how I did this time, how's that? That and sounds- the scores. I'll give them both. Cause I'm going to get to a place where I could do that. Like All laying right. on a bed where I should be with a landline. Perfect. Okay. This, that sounds good. Oh, well, yeah, but, well, there was someone else laying on a bed who was giving out something else when you used to call that other nine, seven, six numbers. So, That's correct. Yes. I, I, I never got her name. <laughs> all right that's tommy tig uh you can't follow him on twitter uh because he he doesn't do that he's your second guest ever after roddy rothstein who does not have a twitter but unlike ronnie lee probably, company you, you probably know how to download thank the podcast because ronnie ronnie's still ronnie's i do still know there. that yes i do know how to do that yes all right so thank you tommy tig we appreciate the time hopefully we will have you on us on soon and uh try to avoid the people who are staring at you right now Yes, I'm going to back out and get the heck out of here as fast as possible. Thanks for having me, fellas. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Fire Ringer Podcast. Thank you so much. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.